Encounter with God time, which means we're about to have a Bible study. Before we do, we're going to find out what you had to say about the first half of the show, and then we are going to get into the this through our text messages, and then we're going to get into our Bible study. But before that, we have our quiz question, Lawson. All right, who was the father of Methuselah? All right, if you know who the father of Methuselah was, then give us a call zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. The question is, who was the longest lived antediluvian? Ah, uh, ah, well, well, well let's that was, leave that be. Let's no, leave no, that be. Wait, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh that's a tricky question, Lars. Yeah. We're getting tricky this morning. Uh, and hey, look, if you answer that correctly, you will be able to win uh, some incredible resources we have here. Cook 30.2, like all of the tons of amazing, <coughs> awesome recipes that can be made from scratch within 30 minutes, as well as nine habits for healthy Christians. I'll just mention some, uh, some recipes that can be made. If you want to make, Tofu tikka masala and fruity rice palaf, which both sound very foreign. I don't really know what they are, but they sound really good. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Again, that question was, who was the father of Methuselah? Okay. If you know the answer, you know what number to call. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's look at uh, what you guys had to say during the first half of the show. Let's see here. A couple of long text messages, although this first one's kind of short. Uh, in relationship to the abortion story, mm. uh, Vincent says these polys are demon-possessed, really? Mm. And to be able to come up with something that is so unbelievably illogical and self-defeating and anti-woman and anti-child and just anti-human, you have to agree. Mm. It's just bizarre. Then we've got another one here. This one comes through from Braden. It says, it's interesting the arguments that are coming out about abortion and how banning it doesn't save lives. Certainly it saves the lives of those children, obviously. <laughs> and the arguments about rape and incest make up less than, well, he's got here 5%. It's actually 1% according to Planned Parenthood. Mm. So Planned Parenthood is pro, the biggest pro-abortion organisation in the world, mm. and they have pointed out that uh, abortions that come about as a result of rape and incest amount to less than 1%. Mm. Um, so the vast majority are because a baby will dramatically change their life, which is true about a baby. Believe me, a baby will dramatically change your life. We have been doing uh, grandma-grandpa duty this weekend with babysitting, and it changes your life. Mm. In makes your life hard and worth living. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Time, at the same time. Um, of course, having a baby will change your life dramatically, fix the issue regarding sex outside of marriage. Most of these issues become void. But I do agree we need to provide support to women, which our church does seem to do. And so this is, this is interesting because a lot of people are up in arms right now on the abortion issue because they're saying, well, all of these people that are saying that we should get rid of abortion need to now step up and uh, take you know, action to provide for single mothers and so forth. Which is interesting, and they need to, you know, be fostering children and they need to be adopting children. What's interesting is that Christians, mm -hmm. Christian people of faith, adopt and foster at a rate that is twice what secular people do. Mm. So I would say that Christians are already setting that example and setting that example very, very well. 
That's not to say that there is not a lot more that we can do. There is That's certainly right. a lot more that we can do, and we need to do a lot. I would say one of the, the best arguments that I've seen that's like pro-abortion uh, or pro-choice is people pointing out like, oh, you're forcing people to have kids in a country where there's no universal health care and there's no support for single mothers and whatnot, like talking about the United States. Yeah. I would say like that's one of the best arguments. But simultaneously, just because someone doesn't have access to those things that makes their life very much more difficult, does that mean they don't have the right to live? Exactly. That's that's the question. Exactly. And and we're on the phone talking to, you know, Asian aid right now and talking about Bangladesh and the incredible horrific disasters that are happening over there to people that don't have access to any of the things that, you know, we are privy to here in Western countries. Yet can we say, oh, because of that, the life of a Bangladeshi isn't worth living. So they don't have a right to live. Yeah, that's right. It's just, it's just, it's just horror. It just, it, it, it just is beyond my imagination. Some of the, just the horror of what happens. Mm. Um, but one of the things that we need to point out right here is that single mothers. Do you know how many times single mothers are mentioned in the Bible? At least a hundred and sixty-six times. Wow. At least 166 times, we are called upon in Scripture to support single mothers and their children. Mm. That's a lot. Mm. And so this is a, and part of the problem is with Christianity, Christianity grows slack when the government steps in and does it all for us. Yes. And I don't know that that's necessarily always healthy. Mm. We always used to, as Christians, this was a major part of what we do, and it's become a minor part because the, we, we just sort of sit back and say, well, the government's already doing that. You know what's so interesting? Like we've been talking about freedom of religion and the fact that that's, necessary in the Christian space because Christian Christianity is slowly becoming a minority. And we've seen that in the census here in Australia, like this religion and Christianity are down and whatnot. At the same time, what's, what's so interesting. I heard someone's perspective that because that is a reality, instead of sharing the gospel, many Christians are trying to legislate the gospel. And so legislating freedom of speech and legislating like, and and it's like, okay, are these, is it wrong to legislate these things? And I would say no, but when legislation replaces evangelism, then we're we're in serious trouble. And so if we're hanging out for the government to legislate some kind of support for single mothers, because we got what we wanted in terms of, you know, protecting babies. No, that's not what it's about. Not what it's about at all. We need to step up. And with all of these issues, when we are as Christians arguing them in society, we should argue them and we should be able to argue them with strong secular reasoning. Yes. With strong secular arguments because there's no point going to a secular person saying, well, you know, I don't believe in abortion because the Bible says that a baby can be filled with the Holy Spirit from the point of conception. That's meaningless to a secular person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very meaningful to a Christian person. Mm. Uh, but to a secular person. So we need to have good, sound, secular arguments that we can use to defend the positions that we take. And we need to show why it is good for society and it is good for women and gives Uh a much better outcome for women than what the abortion rate does, which is you know universally uh, 100% of women who have abortion suffer from depression. I mean, it's just a simple reality. But let's step up, like, yes, like... Let's push for these secular arguments that are also, you know, motivated and inspired by God 
And then let's step up and be a witness in the yes. midst of them. It gives us an opportunity that we never had before to be a light in our community. Mm. Okay, we need to move on. We've got so many of these messages here. This one says, <laughs> who's this one from? Oh, there's another one. Uh, okay, it's interesting. The arguments that are coming out about abortion and banning it doesn't save lives. Oh, sorry, we read that one. We're halfway through that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding sex outside of marriage, most of these issues would become... Yep, we read that one. Okay, let's go to this one over here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last scroll. If my memory ver- serves me right. No, not that one. Okay, false advertising. What's new? The only way to understand <laughs> the world today is to realize that Satan is in charge. Evil is right in your face, laughing at you and calling you stupid. Fortunately, we have the last laugh. We know how it ends. Mm. Absolutely, because we have the book of Revelation. It mm. is the end of the story. Mm. Uh, glad to hear the meeting last night went well and a blessing to all that Went. This was the Faith FM dinner that we had right here in Newcastle. And, of course, these dinners are taking place in quite a few different places around Australia. So stay tuned. Uh, one will come to your area at some particular point. Do not miss it. It's a, just a great opportunity to be blessed. Unfortunately, I wasn't feeling well and missed uh. to see you guys. We had uh, Robbie uh, Bergen at Hamilton Church. Mm. who took an interesting sermon. God bless all your ministries. I really loved his presentation. He was just reflecting on his sermon, uh, sorry, his testimony and how it is that he became a Christian, which is very much the topic of the faith experiment, which is his show here on Faith FM. And it was powerful, dude. Like someone taking that logical approach of like, okay, how can we prove that God exists? And just seeing the facts before them and seeing the very secular person, the observable, testable evidence that, wait, actually... God is there, and what is he trying to say to me? That's right. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, one last text message. We'll get through these. Asian Aid, support them as they really do what they say with the funds, feeding and helping the less fortunate as a command from God. Uh, as, as a command from God, and mm. it's the right thing to do. One more Quick text message coming through. Legislation does not change the heart. Mm. Only the gospel does that. Amen. There you go. Very good point right there. Okay, we need to get into our Bible study and we need to read about the gospel and we need to have our hearts changed this morning. Our passage today comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, so let's turn over there very quickly. And we're going to talk about crucibles again because crucibles often get used in uh, chemistry. Lawson, when you were in school, did you Uh, have a chemistry lab? We, yeah, did I guess you, we had a science have, room. Did you have a chemistry lab where you used to get things hot? Oh, dude, actually, <laughs> this is so funny. So my school, the high school that I went to, had a, an introduction kind of day where as like a year six student, you could go and spend- I'd Go to high school. Go and- to high school for the day and see what it's like. Wow. And so, you know, our classes that day was sport, science- and like home ec, like cooking. So you're a, you're a year six kid. You're like, man, I'm being a big kid. This is Dude, what the big kids do. It was wow. This is going to be amazing. It was totally to <laughs> suck us in because like it was like firstly sport, and so yes. we just went and played sport and had an awesome time. Yes. Secondly, it was but you played year seven sport. We did, yeah, Not yeah. Year it six was sport. like to step up. You know, we had an indoor facility, and then uh, the next one we did was we we uh, did home ec and we like made burgers from scratch and. That 
that was super cool. But then the third thing we did was we had a science class where we got Bunsen burners and we burnt chemicals in the Bunsen burner. You really got dumb. And seriously, I was like, this is the best thing ever. And like, we were burning yeah, all these chemicals. I can't wait to high school you get to high school yeah. and stuff. None of that. <laughs> yeah, so, so we're burning chemicals in the Bunsen burner and they're coming out all different colors. And we're like, yes. I'm like, this is the funnest thing ever. And then, yeah, rock up next year. It's like, okay, guys, our first experiment will be, let's test at what point water boils. And <laughs> it was, I was just like, the rest of my science class for the rest of year seven was, and year eight, and year nine was just mundane boiling stuff water. like that. With literally boiling water with a Bunsen burner. But, um, but, and then you put salt in the water and see how the salt disappears because the water is boiling. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and right. The salt comes back if you evaporate it all. That, that's literally, that's, yeah, that's how it goes. But, uh, yeah, we used to burn things in science class. It was, it was awesome. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was so I reckon remember being excited to get into science class and getting the Bunsen burners out and mm-hmm. like yeah we're gonna do some cool stuff and then boiling water and then boiling water I I, I there was a I created a few fireballs by okay. prematurely turning the gas on and then lighting the thing because <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny but hey stay safe kids please don't do that do not do what Lawson did yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I enjoy sp- experimenting with chemicals and making things hot and melting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, we, if we look at a crucible here, the Bible study actually gives us a few different definitions for a crucible. And the first one is a vessel used for melting a substance that requires a high degree of heat. The second one is a severe, a severe test mm. or a place or situation in which concentrated forces interact to cause or influence change or development. Mm. And so what you're going to find is that, well, when we experimented with crucibles, we changed things Mm -hmm. because the water went from water (laughs) to to bubbles to steam. Yeah. And we even got to talk about how that you could have it in three different... Three different formats. You could have it solid, liquid, or gas. Yeah, And you could freeze it. Yeah, yeah. And you could have ice blocks. And it was just... Lame. Uh, it was no. It was hey, riveting. We, we need, Come on. <laughs> we need to hear from somebody who, in high school, had much better science experiments yeah, than we did. Maybe like because I left school after I finished year nine. Maybe if I had stayed around, they would have got you know more interesting, done more interesting things. My dad did more interesting. We did. We did. Oh yes! I tell you what, we did. What did you do? We had a. We had a. a it wasn't science. It was metalwork woodwork teacher uh-huh. who was a bit of a. What should we say? What's the, what's the word? He was our favourite teacher. Put it that way. Okay. On this particular day, anyway. he's a bit of a loose goose. Yes. Uh huh. He taught us how to make a settling bombs. Oh. <laughs> so it was a safety. It was a safety lecture, right? So he does uh-huh. a safety lecture on the use of. Um, the uh, oxy oxyacetylene mm-hmm. torch, which we had in our metalwork room, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Well, you can't mess around with acetylene because it's really dangerous stuff. Let me show you how dangerous it can be." So he makes an acetylene bomb, takes it outside, and lets it off. That's so epic. It was unbelievably epic. But what he did, which was very super sneaky, he showed us how to make the pure acetylene one, which is like super low power. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But the problem was that my dad is a welder. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to get to our Bible study in a minute. But my dad is a welder, so I actually knew how to. I knew the the, the recipe for the really powerful ones. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so 
I'm telling my friend, like, oh, I know how to make a really powerful one. And when the teacher's not looking, we, we, we blow up a water balloon. Uh-huh. Not a, not a, not just a water balloon. Uh-huh. With the right mixture. Uh-huh. And my friend takes it outside and he's trying to tie the knot in it. Mm-hmm. And he, he lets all the, all of the mixture escape. Uh-huh. And he's like, ah. Oh. And it's just like this little limp water balloon. Uh-huh. And he puts a cigarette lighter on the end of it. And it must have had still had a little smidgen of gas in it. Nearly blew his fingers off. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah, the things you get up to when you're in school uh, doing chemistry and so forth. Uh, text message coming through here. Let's just see what we've got here happening in the science class. Mm-hmm. I remember science class with the boys, and I think there may be a good reason the teacher opted for boiling water. <laughs> <laughs> this is from That's Sky. Actually, so true. Yes. Like, my dad's told me story from science class, or because my you know my dad went to school in what like the seventies and eighties. Yes, it's like same similar to you, and it's like ah, oh, he's like telling me stories about like you know being in 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 wood shop and like um, lighting brushes with lacquer on fire and throwing them across the room and like <laughs> <laughs> just like all kinds yeah. of things. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. it's yep. wild. Yep. Wild stuff. All right, let's get into our Bible study. <laughs> this is not even related. <laughs> Just talking. Well, yes, it was in the it was in the notes. Okay. It was in the notes. The notes <laughs> talked about the note. Let me read to you from the notes. Okay, uh-huh. this is the notes for our Bible study today. This uh-huh. is to justify myself. In chemistry labs, one often places various materials in a small container and heats them to extreme temperatures. Ah, okay. As the container becomes hotter, the materials either melt, fizzle, spit or burn brightly depending on what they are made of. Mm. The container is called a crucible. There you go. That's where we got sidetracked from. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's my justification for... Let's go to First Peter chapter 4. Let's read it right here. Okay, First Peter chapter 4, which verse? 12. Verse 12, the Bible says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you were going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Okay, so this is interesting. Let's uh, put it in the context of the last couple of years when we had COVID and we mm-hmm. had lockdowns and we were all talking about when we get back to normal. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to happen when we, you know, it'd be so nice to get back to normal and all of this kind of thing. And and then we were like, well, you know, what's the new normal going to look like? Mm. Okay, so what is the normal for a Christian according to this? Do not be surprised when what happens. You enter fiery trials. So the normal for the Christian should be fiery trials. Uh-huh. We should not be surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word surprised here comes from the word alien. Oh, okay. Yes. So it shouldn't be alien to us. It should not be. Mm. It should not be like... <gasps> That's shocking. I can't believe that happened. As we would be if a little green Martian came walking up the footpath. <laughs> we would see that as an alien has just arrived and we would be shocked and surprised. Mm-hmm. The Bible says don't be shocked and surprised mm. when fiery trials come your way. Mm-hmm. This is going to happen. Mm. I think this is a really important verse because I think a lot of the time we really do question why. Mm. I've served God so faithfully. Why is this happening? Mm. What's going on here? And so we're going to look at some of those reasons as to why in this particular study. Um, We're going to look at some specific types of 
painful situations that various people have gone through. Mm. And we're going to note that crucibles, where we are tested and tried and purified, are what is normal for the Christian and what we should expect and we should embrace those trials when they come and use them as opportunities for growth. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are into our Bible study. We've got one more question for the quiz. Finish the verse. If you love me, blank. If you know what the answer is, zero four nine one zero six. Trying really hard not to say it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do, you can go into the draw to win nine habits for healthy cooking. Uh, sorry, for healthy Christians. Sorry, and cook thirty point two. Both of these amazing books that will just reveal to you awesome and amazing. Not only recipes that you can cook and very short amount of time, but how to be healthier and how to better serve God with your newfound healthier lifestyle. But 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Again, that question was, finish the verse, if you love me, blank. If you answer that correctly, you'll go into the draw and it will be drawn at the end of the week. 0491-064-669. All right, so we're in First Peter chapter 4 mm-hmm. and we were starting in verse 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, continue on there and let's see what else. Well, let's let's just go back to this and let's uh, go back through it again mm-hmm. uh, right there in verse 12. Just read for us verse 12 and we'll pick up where we were. In verse 12 it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. But in contrast, so we talked about don't be surprised, don't see it as being alien. Mm-hmm. Don't see it as being something odd or unusual. See this as being the normal. Mm. So back in the day when we talked about the, you know, the new normal, the old normal, whatever normal it is, what God is saying for us as a Christian, the normal is for fiery trials to come your way. Mm. And, of course, you know, uses the, the, the symbol here of fire, which means that there's going to be heat that is going to come along. This leads us to the concept of the crucible where you get things hot. Mm. Okay, so rather than seeing that strange and rather than being concerned by that, the Bible says, well, what is your first word of verse 13? Instead. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that works. Mine is but. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you have the word but or when you have the word instead, you are about to be presented with the opposite. Mm-hmm. So these are words that are going to give you a contrast. Mm-hmm. So don't be concerned by it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't see it as being alien in contrast to being surprised by it, seeing it as alien or being concerned by it in contrast. Be very glad. Mine says, but rejoice. Mm. Um, You've had some fiery trials since you became a Christian. Sure. Mm -hmm. Did you rejoice? No. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, this you is rejoice very up, honest here this after the fact, but I definitely remember in, you know, the Bible says this, like, no, no, now, nah, oh, Hebrews chapter 12 is all about this topic as well. Uh, but it says, you know, no chastening is enjoyable in the moment, you know, like, no trial is in, like, is inherently enjoyable. It's not like, yes. man, I, I love this when my life is very difficult and hard. No. It's, so when I was a kid, my, dis- my dad disciplined me all the time. Uh huh. And pat on my backside quite thoroughly on occasion. <laughs> Bro, same. <laughs> <laughs> and 
that is one of the reasons why we are successful human beings today. Yeah. Because there was discipline, there was boundaries in our life, but mm. at the time, they weren't a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like, <laughs> and I could just say I was so blessed. Like I was, I was talking to you, Lila, a little bit earlier. Like I have three sisters. Yes. And it's kind of like the dog among the hens. Like that's me. You know, like having <laughs> yeah, right. having three sisters. Like there was lots of uh, there was lost. That was me. And and the, yeah, there was lots of uh, chastening, and there was lots of discipline that I needed so that I could function in my family and not just be a, a pest and a menace. Uh, right. But praise God, really, yes. praise God for that. Absolutely. Mm. So you're no longer a pest and a menace. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to verse that uh, where we're verse 13 again. It says, mm. but rejoice. Why? For these trials make you partners with Christ and his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So Jesus comes to this earth. Jesus is God. You cannot get... He, Jesus lives a sinless life. Mm. You would expect that, okay, a righteous person is going to be in the favor of God because mm. they sin less than a wicked person, so they're going to have more favor of God. So therefore Jesus should have had all of the favor of the Father as he lived as a human being here on this earth because he never sinned, and so therefore he should never have had any trials whatsoever at all. Isn't that so? Incorrect. What does the Bible say about Jesus? He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with... Grief. Grief. That's the exact word right there. And if you look at Jesus' life, it was a life of suffering yeah, from I, beginning to end. This is something I've been reflecting on recently and just thinking like, okay, for Jesus, like he suffered more than anyone like ever has, you know, and, yes. and he says because of that, like he can sympathize with our weakness. And it's interesting. We think about like Christians and, and suffering. It's like, why does that happen if we have the favor of God? Well, it's essentially like being a Christian is kind of like, like being a follower of God is like swimming upstream. Because we live in a world where the, the natural state of the person is sin. That's right. That leads to death. Uh, we live, in, you know, the state of our world is that it is tainted by sin and that leads to death of all different things, whether it's animals or trees or like everything is now tainted with sin leading to death. If you're attempting to then forsake sin and to, you know, turn the direction of God and, you know, practice righteousness, which is you know, in the absence of sin, you will inherently run into roadblocks and problems and trials and, and suffering. It's like, it's like trying to breathe in space. It's like, like it is, it is, it's almost like to our natural self. It's, it's pretty much an impossibility. Mm -hmm. It's like trying to walk on water. It's, I like that analogy of a Christian as swimming upstream. Yeah. Because what do you need to do to go downstream? Just relax. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Going upstream involves some action. Yeah, it's a really good point. Okay, let's go on to verse 14. The Bible says here, So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Okay, so we live in a very woke world today where it is yeah, very popular not to be Christian. And as a Christian, when you stand up for Christian principles... When you stand up for what the Bible says, people are going to call you out as being hateful. Mm. Yeah, they're going to post your address on Twitter and, you know, 
so people can track you down and yeah, all that kind of stuff. They're going to call you out on you know you 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 jump onto social media and stand up for Jesus, stand mm. up for what is right, oh, and yeah. see how you get smashed. I, I've been through this, like you have I, personally, yeah, because like you're a you're a uh, you know a known person, yeah, a public figure. Well, I, I, I you were. I texted someone one time about you know something about. God, and this was a very private conversation, and it wasn't me trying to convert them. I was just having a conversation with them in the DMs. And then this person, like, got on Facebook and tried to blast me as some hate crime guy, like some hate speech. And this was a major this a was, major social media influencer. Yeah, and I was like 19. Millions of followers. I was like 19 years old. He didn't have millions of followers. Uh, he had, you know, thousands of followers. Okay, right. But, like, within, within the 20 minutes that I, the post had been up, it had been you know, interacted with a couple thousand times in terms of comments and likes. And, you know, this person naming me, I'm 19 years old and they're naming me by name as some like hate speech guy. Uh, and I was so shocked because I'm, I'm like, this was a private conversation. Like, duh, duh, duh. and I, I uh, messaged this guy and I'm like, dude, like, why have you done this to me? And, and he ended up deleting it, but it was kind of like his perspective was like, oh, you're getting off lucky that I don't put you on blast. And this, this person's like a middle-aged man who's famous. And I'm like, I was just texting this guy. But the, the point is, is that, yeah, like, well, apparently as a result of me being insulted and being, you know, put down for my faith, I guess I get to partake in heaven. I guess that's what's necessary. It's saying here. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, and now we're going to run through some of our answers for the quiz today. The first answer, what is the breastplate in the armor of God, and what does that represent? Righteousness, what is in the sanctuary opposite to the golden lampstand, the table of showbread? What is the third of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, the next, who was the father of Methuselah? Enoch, technically the longest-living antediluvian because he went straight to heaven. Still alive. And he's still living today. So praise God for him. And finally, finish the verse. If you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, But right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle, I have a question for you this morning. Is there anywhere in the New Testament saying, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy? Well, there's more of those kind of passages in the New Testament than you'll find anything else to do with the Ten Commandments. So I did a quick uh, little bit of a review here of the Ten Commandments in the New Testament and the references to the Ten Commandments in the New Testament just to see how they stack up. So um, adultery is mentioned 18 times in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. Idolatry is mentioned sixteen times. Mm-hmm. Uh, worshiping other gods is mentioned eight times. Mm-hmm. Uh, honoring your father and mother—that's mentioned about five times. Lying is mentioned thirty-three times. Mm-hmm. Stealing is mentioned ten times, and the Sabbath is mentioned fifty-five times in the New Testament alone. Really? Yes. So by far more than any other commandment, you have the Sabbath in the New Testament. Wow. Okay, so now here's what's interesting about the Sabbath in the New Testament is that a lot of the times a lot of the times the Sabbath is discussed in the New Testament is in the Gospels where Jesus is talking with the Pharisees about how to keep the Sabbath. Mm. 
What's significant about that? In fact, this was the primary subject of debate between the Pharisees and Jesus was about how to keep the Sabbath. Mm. And so the interesting thing about that is that at no point does Jesus downplay the importance of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. He always exalts the importance of the Sabbath. He always clarifies how to keep it. He doesn't try and do away with it. He doesn't say it's less important. He doesn't say that, you know, there's coming a time when it's going to be changed, done away with, you know, it's mm. any day in seven is good enough. He doesn't go into any of those things. He just simply says, this is the correct way to do it. You're doing it wrong. This is the right way mm. to do it. And then, of course, you're going to find the Sabbath right the way through the New Testament. If you're going to look at the number of times that the apostles kept the Sabbath in the book of Acts, it adds, you know, that is recorded as, adds up to like about 160 different times they are recorded as keeping the Sabbath, uh, which is a lot. But then the question asks something very specific right here. Mm. And let's have a look at it. Uh, Is there anywhere in the New Testament saying, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? In other words, is there a specific command in the New Testament to keep the Sabbath? Well, of course there is. Uh, Let's look at one in Matthew chapter 24. Now, while we're turning to Matthew 24, Lawson, what is Matthew 24 all about? The signs of the times. The signs of the times that are going to take place just before Jesus comes back. Yes. Okay, so this is not being written for just Jewish people. This is being written for all Christians because this passage is for... All Christians. Yeah, and particularly because he's talking to his disciples as well. Like, that's the context is he's with the 12. And it's impossible because some people say, oh, you know, Jesus talked about the Sabbath because it was before the crucifixion. It all changed at the time of the crucifixion. Well, that's actually impossible because none of the signs of the times happened before the crucifixion. That's right. None of them. Mm -hmm. You could argue that some of them took place at the time of the destruction of Jerusalem. Mm Mm-hmm. But this passage, anybody knows that this passage is all about the end of time. Mm. The Bible says that the end of time, that there will be persecution. Abomination of desolation will be set up. There will be persecution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Verse 16, you know, flee into the mountains. Verse 17, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take any things out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return to take back, back to take his clothes. Woe unto those that are with child and to those that are suckling in those days. But pray, notice the specific command that Jesus gives, pray that your flight is not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. So it doesn't matter whether this is in Judea or the whole world, because this prophecy applies to both. This is a prophecy that takes place after the death of Jesus, Mm. first of all in 70 AD, and then at the very end of time where God specifically commands us to worship on the Sabbath day and to pray that we don't have to flee on the Sabbath day. Why? Because God wants us and expect God's expectation is that people at the time of the destruction of Jerusalem and people at the time of the second coming will be keeping the Sabbath day. Mm. That is Jesus' specific command that is given right there in the Bible. And, of course, in your conversation, remember to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's God uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet. 
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.